gentlemen and welcome to episode 16 of the Jesus show wow greetings to my weekly listeners and a warm warm welcome to the new people that have you know happened to stumble upon the show you're in for another great episode but first like always i just want to recap you guys on episode 15 on episode 15 we had a live caller i'm talking about my cousin zach sharp aka z scribe and we chatted and talked about the nba finals recap free agency rumors the Knicks' state of mind the nba draft and much much more so without further ado let's get into today's hot topics First things first, free agency acquisitions. Like I said last week, we were talking about rumors. Now we get to see all these acquisitions unfold, which is just great for the NBA landscape. So first of all, to make things hot, Chris Paul to the Rockets. This was a huge, huge, huge shocker. Honestly, if I had to put my money on it, I would would have said he, you know, was gonna go to the Spurs um, or resign with the Clippers, but obviously he thought that he couldn't win um, for a few reasons. He, the owner, could be the owner, could be his teammates, could be the coach, but maybe it was just a you know ensemble everything else that happened. But I think he just wanted a new change of scenery. You know, I thought that, you know, him being a family guy, married, having kids, he would want to prioritize and stay in L.A. And I feel like he loved it there, but I feel like this was the best move for him. Now, although it was a shocker, it did show how noble Chris Paul was. He didn't leave the Clippers hanging because he could have opted out of his contract and, you know, left the Clippers with nothing. But in return, he opted into his contract and got traded, you know, to the Rockets for Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, and a first-round draft pick, which was great. You know, that just shows his character. And I feel like it's a win-win for CP3 because, A, you know, he gets to play with James Harden under D'Antoni's system. Um, and B, you know, if it doesn't work out, he has one year left on his contract, so he can go wherever he wants if he doesn't feel like... The Rockets are, you know, in position to at least get to the conference finals to compete for a championship. Now, with this being said, I just want to see how CP3 and how James Harden are going to coexist with one another. It's hard for me. Definitely hard for me to see how that's going to unfold. Because you have James Harden, who just came off his career year under D'Antoni's system, being the point guard. And it's like another point guard's coming. Do you really want to defer 
to Chris Paul because now Chris Paul is going to be the point guard. I mean, I see them sharing the ball a lot, but what's going to happen? How long is it going to take for them to gel? You know, if I had to put my two cents to it, I think it's going to take them a while to gel just because they're both alpha males. So we're going to see how they clash with one another. But when it does work out, I think it's going to be some beautiful basketball being played. So it's interesting to see how that's going to unfold. But with Chris Paul going to the Rockets, I definitely see him being willing and able to, you know, not be as ball dominant as he used to be. And, you know, James Harden averaged, I think, around five turnovers this past season. So you have Chris Paul, who's one of the best assisted turnover, um, has one of the best assisted turnover ratios. Um, so definitely I want him, you know, with the ball in his hand. So maybe this is a blessing in disguise for the Rockets, but we're going to see how that happens. Next up, Blake Griffin, you know, Lob City man, you know, the poster boy of L.A., he actually agreed to stay with the Clippers for a five-year, $173 million deal, which was great. You know, I actually had a, it was a 50-50 feeling. Well, not really 50-50 because I think he first booked a meeting with the Phoenix Suns. So I was like, you know, maybe he just wants to be a face of a new franchise and play with this young talent and, you know, be that guy to help them get back to the playoffs. But obviously, I... He chose elsewhere. I mean, who would want to leave L.A., you know? And it it was rumors that, you know, he had beef with CP3. So that makes sense why CP3 left. But I expect Blake to be the man now, you know? Obviously, it was CP3's team. Anyone can say that, you know, CP3, it was his team. But Blake brought in the box office success. Um I, I I expect Blake next year to have a career year. I expect him to be a point forward now. So look for him to have the ball in his hands a lot. I just want to see more from Blake and maybe CP3 stunted what he could really do. But it's going to be interesting, you know, to have the keys to the kingdom. And I think Lobster is still going to be in effect. And I definitely think they're going to go to the playoffs. Because like I said, you know, they, they have Patrick Beverly now, Lou Williams, Sec, Sam Decker, Blake Griffin back, you know. And they just got Danilo Gallinari in a three-team trade that sent Jamal Crawford, Diamond Stone, and L.A.'s 2018 protected first-round draft pick via Houston to Atlanta and a 2019 second-round draft pick from Atlanta via Washington to Denver. And I think Gallinari is going to be another huge asset to the Clippers, you know, he just came from averaging 18, 5, and 2 in 63 games being played. So that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty cool. You know, I'm I'm, I'm anxious to see what the starting five is gonna look like um, and how long they're gonna take the gel. But I see Blake Griffin averaging roughly 25, 10, and 6. You know, so we're gonna see what Blake's about, and it'll be cool. You know, I, I, I'm I'm excited to see the Rockets versus Clippers. You know, CP3 versus his old team. It's gonna be a lot of rivalry there. You know, Patrick Beverly's back on. I mean, Patrick Beverly's on the Clippers, so it's gonna be interesting. Moving on, 76ers. Do you trust the process or not? That's that's the question we all want. You know, want to know. J.J. Redick left the Clippers and went to the 76ers for a one-year, $23 million deal. I wish I 
you know, played basketball, you know, and actually took it serious because it just seems like players are just getting banked nowadays, especially if you're a shooter. I feel like shooting is so vital in the NBA now. And I'm a shooter. I'm a pretty I'm a pretty good shooter. You know, I can play defensive. If I had a if I had to relate my game to someone, it would probably be like a Danny Green mixed with the Kevin Love, just getting 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 the rebounds. But I like this move from the Sixers because JJ Redick definitely adds that veteran veteran, you know, leadership and he has great shooting abilities, solid, you know. And he's going to teach these young guys how to lead by example. I think his his he, by his demeanor itself is going to be great in the locker room because you have a lot of young people there. And you know, they're going to be playoff bound. They're definitely going to be playoff bound. It's going to definitely make it easier for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has so many pieces around him to be successful. So I see I don't see why they wouldn't make the playoffs this year. And if I had to have a projected lineup for him this year, it's two options. I'm going with either Fultz, Reddick, Simmons, and Bede, and Sarek, or Simmons, Covington, Reddick, and Bede, and Sarek. And the reason why I have for my second option with Fultz coming off of the bench is just because he's a rookie. And normally I feel like when you're a rookie, you have to, you know, prove yourself and I don't really know how his defense is going to pan out quite yet. So I have Covington there just for, to have another body to defend these other wing players on the other teams. But, you know, just because Simmons is going to be playing the one to be the primary handler doesn't mean he could mean he's going to, you know, play again. I mean, guard, you know, you know, the other bigger players on the teams. So we're definitely going to see how that goes. I have Philly winning. 45 games this year um we just have to trust the process and see what's what's that about the timberwolves you know last week i talked to my cousin you know via phone calling and we were just talking about how they got jimmy butler but things just got a little bit better the timberwolves got jeff teague and Taj gibson which is great news definitely i can see why Taj went over there you can tell he loved playing for thibodeau so they're just gonna have another body to come off the bench and you know provide good solid minutes Jeff Teague edition. I was all for Kyle Lowry, but I feel like Kyle Lowry wanted more money, and I feel like out in the West, it's guaranteed to A, get to the playoffs, B, even get past the first round, and yet alone get to the conference finals. So it makes sense Kyle Lowry stayed with the Raptors, but let me not get off topic. Jeff Teague to the Timberwolves. What do I think about this? I feel like he's solid. Um, you know, I think he's going to play his role. You know, he is a former all-star, but I feel like when it matters most, he kind of shrinks, but I want him to prove me wrong. But I feel like he's just going to get his job done, play defense, run the offense and, you know, give you 15 to 16 points a game. You know, he may have a few 20 plus point per game, but he's really going to set up everyone else as in Jimmy Butler, Towns and and Wiggins. So they're looking pretty good and they just have that Eastern Conference vibe, but they're in the West, which is crazy. 
the Warriors. Warriors are probably one of the biggest winners. Obviously, they just won a championship, but they they kept David West. They kept Sean Livingston, who signed a three-year, $24 million deal. And the biggest person was Andre Iguodala with the three-year, $48 million deal. This is one of the biggest moves because I feel like Andre Iguodala is really a starter. You know, he's a former Finals MVP, but he, other than Draymond Green, as far as bench productivity, he is the engine for the Warriors. And I really thought he was going to leave because I thought the Warriors weren't going to pay him because they also had to pay Steph Curry and also pay KD. So I'm like... He's probably going to rock. You know, he already won two championships, finals MVP, multiple time all-star, put Golden State, help Golden State come back on the radar. So I really thought he was going to leave. He had a couple of suitors, and I really thought he was considering the Spurs because that was the first meeting he set up. So I was like, yeah, if we take him, then, you know, anything can happen. But this just shows you that the Warriors are still about their business and they treat their players great. And they had another addition, Swaggy P. <laughs> Swaggy P just came from a career year, I believe, with the Lakers. And I think he's going to fit right in with the Warriors. So that's just a lot of shooting. They're looking like they're going back to the conference finals. Well, I can basically put my life on it. Barring any injuries, they're going to go back to the conference finals. So that's good news for the Warriors, and they just keep getting better and better. It's, it's crazy. And it's crazy because KD ended up taking less for players to come. That says a lot, you know, for him to do that means that money isn't everything. Money isn't happiness. Obviously, you're getting paid millions of dollars more than more, most people in the world, but... To take less means a lot. You know, he obviously makes a lot more off the court. So at the end of the day, I think he just wants to win and it shows his willingness to win. But he did leave $9 million on the table and got a two-year $53 million deal. And it just makes me think, like, you were the finals MVP. You're, if not number two, number three best player in the whole world. Why are you leaving money on the table you know what i'm saying golden state i think is worth about 2.3 billion dollars and you're getting a billionaire to tell a millionaire to take less money which doesn't make any sense because you know your worth so go out there and get that money because it, it, it just it just doesn't make sense like if that's me i'm getting my money but at the same time i do want to win but at the same time let the owner spend that money you know uh, just doesn't make sense because if Steph Curry can get a max deal that's five year, two hundred million dollars, why, why can't he take a little less? You know, why can't him and him and Katie take a little less? Which doesn't make sense to me. Something isn't right, but it is what it is, and it leads me into James Harden. I thought, you know, just a week ago, Curry got the biggest deal ever, but. Looks like Harden just topped that. He signed, he signed an extension, a four-year, $228 million deal. Wow. I feel like 
you have a higher chance of going to the NBA and making this type of money than you do when the lottery is crazy. Let me just say that again. Four-year, $228 million deal. That's $570,732 a game. This is ridiculous, you know. NBA is just, it's a golden era to make money. And I feel like he's not even one of, he's one of the best players, but he's not even the best player. He's not better than KD. He's not better than Steph. He's not better than Kawhi. He's not better than James Harden. <laughs> I said James Harden. Didn't mean to say that. He's not better than LeBron, I meant. So it just, it makes you feel like KD, like, Go get your money and you getting you letting all these other players who don't even get to the finals or do anything like that, you know, get this money. So, I mean, it's interesting to see how that's going to, you know, go about, you know, because the, the main thing like, I mean, he's worth it, I guess, for what he does for the city of Houston and that whole um, franchise itself, the business itself. He generates a lot of revenue for him. But I'm just wondering, you know, when the salary cap is being set yearly like what type of players can you get i mean we know what he did last year when they won about 50 i think 55 games with only one all-star on their team but moving forward are you going to have enough to bring in more players are other players going to want to you know play for less and how far are you guys going to go so that's always interesting and obviously you know i had to talk about my san antonio spurs (laughs) We just acquired Rudy Gay in a two-year 17, I'm sorry, $17 million deal with the player option. I'm excited. You know, Rudy Gay did come off an injury, but I think he's going to get through to his, his Achilles injury, and I think he's he's going to do well for us. You know, his career average is 18-6-2, but I see him averaging about 15 to 18 a game. And I'm happy because you have a 6'8", you know, 220-plus guy who can play the two through four, honestly. And that's just another person for Kawhi Leonard to take the pressure off of, not only him, but take the pressure off of LaMarcus Aldridge. So this is going to be a great addition. And I feel like if he's fully healthy, then I think we're going right back to the conference finals because I do believe Kawhi is the second-best player over KD. And I feel like now he has this team that's generated around him for him to be successful. And now if you go small, you have a lot of options. And I hope we keep Jonathan Simmons. So that's something to look out for. We did offer him a nine-year, $9 million deal, but he's a restricted free agent. So I don't know what's going to happen. But still, you got small ball. You can have Danny Green out there with Kawhi and Rudy Gay and LaMarcus and Patty. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds. I definitely have us, you know, being great. And I feel like this is the best thing that could have happened to Rudy Gay. You know, Pop is definitely going to take care of him. Pop's known for taking players who are kind of on the downside of their career and making them play great again. So we'll see how that pans out. I think the biggest winners of the entire, you know, free agency was OKC. And why? Because they got Paul George, man. 
It's crazy because Paul George got traded to OKC for Oladipo and Sabonis. First of all, before we get into how we, how I think Russ and Paul George are going to pair, what does this mean for owners? Well, for me, it's crazy because Boston was prepared to give away a few first-round draft picks along with Jay Crowder and I think another player for Paul George, but they didn't want... Paul George that easily I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say is is there something bigger that we don't know about as far as like players not players owners well owners slash GMs having animosity towards one another because if it's me and I'm Indiana I want to prepare for the future I want to get high draft picks and rebuild my team because Paul George it's hard to replace him. And Oladipo is a bonus. Nah, you're not really going to do anything that good. You know, maybe battle for the eighth seed, but I don't even see them making the playoffs. But then again, the East is weak. So who really knows? But that's that's just crazy. Um, I think r- this is perfect for Russ. This is like, hey, Russ, you want MVP, so you're going to get rewarded you know, with the all-star caliber player, Paul George. I think this is going to be great. I think they're going to fit with each other very well because Russ is the alpha and, you know, Paul George isn't really the alpha. So I think it's perfect. I think Russ is going to be the Batman and Paul George is going to be the Robin. They're going to fit together perfectly. I think he's a better defender, wing defender than KD. And he gives them a lot of options, you know. And you can actually keep in Roberson now with Paul George. So that's good. We don't have to really rely on Roberson shooting free throws. And you just have another score for Russell Westbrook. They're going to be even more athletic, which is great. I'm so excited to see these guys go up and down the court together. And now it's like, Russ, you showed us that. You are the MVP. You won MVP. You showed you what you can do without Kevin Durant. Now let's see what you can do with another, you know, caliber. This type of caliber of a player on your team. Like, are you still going to show yourself as ways? Are you going to really change your game and be willing to give up the ball? You know, be willing to coexist with another All Star. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I have them you know, being better than they were last year. So, Oladipo had to go. He, you know, I think he averaged what, about 15, 16 points a game, but when he mattered most, he was never there, and it just seemed like he was very passive a lot of times. So, this is this is just great for OKC. With all these shakeups in the West, makes me think two things. I feel like eventually they're just going to have to get rid of the East and West and just make the playoffs based on seedings, like kind of like the NCAA tournament because the West is stacked and the East is just trash and depleted. There's only like three or four good teams from the East. But if I had to have projected seedings barring any injuries going, you know, forward for the West, you know, when everything is all said and done, I have the Warriors at one just because they're the reigning champs, you know, they retained their assets and they added Nick Young and they added a surprise draft pick um, 
So that's that. Number two, I have San Antonio because of their culture, because Kawhi Leonard is one of the best players. They have the best coach and the addition of Rudy Gay. They're going to have them right back in the hump. You know, their chemistry is going to be higher than everyone else. And I, I was a little confused. I don't know if I wanted OKC or Houston, who would be three and who would be four. But I got OKC above Houston just because I feel like they're going to gel together faster than Houston. I feel like Chris Paul and James Harden are going to have their little problems moving forward because they're both ball dominant. And that's that's going to take a while. So OKC at three, Houston at four. Timberwolves at five just because you have Jeff Teague and, and Jimmy Butler coming to a team um, and they just have to learn how to play together. But I feel like they're going to start off, you know, a little bit at 500 and then just start to pick it up very quickly. And with the additions, the Clippers had to have them at six and really seeing Blake take that next step. They're going to be good. Portland, you know, they had Jokic. So we're going to see with him fully healthy how far they can go because they had one of the best records after All-Star break when they acquired him. And I got Memphis, you know, getting that last spot. I didn't know if I wanted Memphis or the Pelicans to get that spot, but I don't know how the Pelicans are going to play. But I know Memphis is greedy and I love their coach. So we're going to see how that pans out. Another thing I want to talk about is Otto Porter. <laughs> Otto Porter was a restricted free agent this offseason and got a four-year, $106 million offer from the Brooklyn Nets, which makes me think, did the Nets do this on purpose just to mess with the Wizards and put them in a financial crisis going forward? Or did they really think that he was worth it? Well, obviously he was worth it because the Wizards ended up matching it. If it was me... And I was the GM slash owner or whoever. I think I would have just let Otto Porter go just because I think he just got overpaid. You know, he had one good breakout year. I don't know what his ceiling is. So I'm just thinking of it from a personnel and, and money aspect. And it makes you think like, who can the Wizards in the in in the future go and get to make them compete and get to the conference finals, yet alone the finals? So that's going to be interesting. But Boston, Boston ended up getting Gordon Hayward for a four-year, hundred twenty-eight million dollar deal. Um, I'm I'm happy he was able to sign with the Celtics. And it, feel, it felt like there was just a big bidding war going on between the Jazz, the Celtics, and Miami because he was one of the most coveted free agents. It says, to me, it says that A, Utah, you know, if, if he was still in Utah, there would be a playoff team, but it's too stacked in the West because so I, I feel like being in the West and, and all these players like Jimmy Butler and Paul George coming back over there is going to be hard to make the All-Star. And I feel like he values being an All-Star. Um, and I just feel like he has a better chance to at least get to the conference finals slash finals if he's if he goes to the East. You know, you have a guy that averages. Ooh, sorry, start yawning. I'm a little tired. You got a guy that averages, you know, 20 points per game. So we're gonna we're gonna see how that works. We're gonna see how him and Isaiah work together. But the thing about it is, if you get Gordon Hayward, you lose depth. You know. 
you're going to have to get rid of a few of your, you know, key players and Olenek who just went to the Miami Heat. And I'm heard they're going to shop Avery Bradley. And I really wanted them to keep him because he's just a pesk on defense. One of the best on-ball defenders I've seen. And the guy that averages 16, 17 points a game, um, you're probably going to have to get rid of Joe, I mean, Jay Crowder and, and Marcus Smart. But it, it, it's just like you're giving up so much for one player. What are you going to do? But I'm, I'm sure they have something up their sleeve. Plus, they have two. They have Jalen Brown, their first round pick from first round draft pick from last year. And then Jason Tatum. So. I know that the GMs have something up their sleeves. I know they're going to find, you know, these other players in free agency to pick up because Brad Stevens is a great coach and I think his system is going to be great. And it just makes me think, you know, with all these additions, it seems like LeBron's still going to be LeBron and Cleveland's still going to be Cleveland and they're going to go back to the conference finals and then go back to the finals. But it makes you think, like, what are the Cavs going to do? Because we know they're good enough to get to the finals. But the main thing is, if you play the Warriors again, I know you guys are going to play a little bit better. But with what they have now, they're not going to get over that hump and beat the Warriors. If anything, maybe it'd be a little bit more competitive and go six games. But I don't I don't see them winning if they don't if they just stand stand put. What do they have to do? My only thing is hopefully trying to get Melo to get his contract bought out. Because if he can get it bought out, they're still going to get Kevin Love. Because I wouldn't want to trade Kevin Love for Melo because you lose rebounding ability and a good shooter. But Melo, you know, you still gain another scorer um, who you can count on in crunch time. Um, And I think if he were to get traded, he be best at the four just like team usa but now there's you know some you know rumors being going around rumors that are going around saying that Melo is essentially back on the trading block and he might get traded to the rockets so if he gets traded to the rockets that's an l for the Cavs and lebron and a major w for the rockets so we're going to see. But I just want to talk about a few players from NBA Summer League. You know, now the free agency is essentially over. We, you know, there's still a few players like Derrick Rose. We're going to see where he ends up at, yada, yada, yada. But Summer League has been great. Got to see some good basketball. You know, this is one of the most hyped Summer Leagues I've been waiting to see. Because you got basically the top three picks in Tatum, Fultz. Oh, sorry for yelling again. Wow, rough night. <laughs> like I said, Tatum, Folsom Ball, um, all looking good. Even Fox. Fox, let's talk about Darren Fox um, and Josh Jackson for the Sacramento Kings. They both look really, really, really good. Jackson, he just looks like he's NBA ready. Nice frame. Can shoot off the dribble, catch and shoot. Um, I think his defense is still a work in progress, but he just knows how to play basketball. He's very fundamentally sound. Fox, on the other hand, looked good in his debut last night. I mean, the other night, I forgot how many points he had, but 
his mid-range is looking good. He's probably one of the fastest players in the draft as far as going from coast to coast. He kind of reminds me of John Wall a little bit. Um, but one thing he does lack, well, he showed a little glimpses of what his vision can be. But I feel like as a year or two goes by, we're really going to see him make that step forward in his vision. But the Kings are looking very promising. They did get Zach Randolph and they did get Vince Carter. So we're going to see how everything meshes together. Aside from all that, let's talk about Tatum, man. Jason Tatum for the Celtics. Their draft pick is averaging 18 and 10 and shooting 47% from the field. I think, other than Fultz, I think he's NBA ready. He has an NBA physique. You know, he just has that swag about him now. Like, you know, he's he's for his age, most players are really, really humble. But he's a little cocky, and I like that to him. A lot of people were comparing him to a Jawai Parker, but I see more so of a mellow type of player that's a little bit more quicker. You know, he can shoot off the dribble. He can catch and shoot. He can post up. He's big. He can finish around the room. I got to see what his defense is talking about as, you know, the year progresses. But he's ready. And I wouldn't even mind starting him this year. He's definitely going to be an impact player for the Celtics. And they're going to need him to get some buckets because, they, like I said, getting Gordon Hayward, you lose a lot of your depth. So that's going to be very interesting. Markel Fultz. It's been looking phenomenal, averaging 20 and also shooting 47% from the field with four rebounds and three assists. That boy got game, man. He has game. I didn't really watch him in college, peeped a little bit of his highlights, but he has game. I like his little spin around, step back jumper. He already has his own unique style. That's what I like about this draft in general. Everyone has a unique style, but Mark Elfos is really interesting. At first, I kind of wanted to compare him to you know, like a Joe Johnson, Bradley Beal type of player, but he has his own style. He, he's himself. But the other night, I forgot who they were playing against, but he ended up injuring his ankle. And it was pretty bad because he couldn't even walk on it himself. He needed help from two of his other teammates to carry him back to the locker room. Is this just bad luck for the 76ers or do we really have to trust the process? I mean, ankle injuries are, you know, if I had to get any injury in basketball, I would get an ankle injury, which I've had two, three times. But it's just like, damn, like, is it the injury bug? Because are are they going to be the new Portland back in the day? Because you had Greg Oden, who was the first round pick, first the number one pick who had foot problems and knee problems you know Ren and Roy very promising few time all-star knee problems and Rudy Fernandez used to get hurt so it's like we know on paper and from an individual talent perspective how good the 76ers can be but all these injuries are kind of scaring me because Joel Embiid only played 30 some games this year this past season Ben Simmons broke his foot last year so it's like you guys are a little injury prone and I'm a little worried about that, but anyone can get injured at any given period. So I guess we're just going to have to trust the process and see how that goes. And with this ankle injury, it may give him a minor setback. So I think actually he may come off the bench and then eventually start, but we'll see. Last but not least, before we wrap up the show, 
Quick little segment on Lonzo Ball. Man, his first game, he looked so trash. He was two of fifth. They played the Clippers, and he was two of 15 from the field and one of 11 from three point. And he just looked like a real live rookie. But it made sense because I feel like he was the most hyped person to come into the NBA since LeBron James. You know, your dad can do that for you. But. They, he, he just looked a little nervous, you know, the fact that it was his first game and how everyone expected him to play lights out, you know, it made sense that he didn't play as well, but he was looking really good. Um, his second go around, you know, he had a triple double, which is crazy. I haven't seen someone in summer league get a triple double yet. He had 11 points, 11 rebounds and 11 assists. You know, they lost 86, 81, but he looked much better his second game, man. He, I like his game a lot, man. I don't, even, I don't even want to compare him to no Jason Kidd or whoever. He's himself. His vision is phenomenal. You know, he, I, 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 re- I really see what they're they're talking about when when they say that he makes everyone around him better. You know, he dictates the he dictates the tempo, and he's gonna have them players running up and down. And I feel like. In the future, he is going to have, you know, players who want to play with him. And this year, we're really going to see what him and Ingram are going to are going to be about because they're they're going to be exciting. You know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So, Lavar hold off on that. But I I do feel like they're going to show some promise and potential of what they can be. And I feel like with Lonzo, he still has to work on his pick and roll game, and that's going to be a work in progress but I feel like throughout each game he's going to throughout the season for each game he's going to get better because he's he's going to start first of all and he's going to you know play against elite players and players are going to come at him but that's just going to make him have you know good character and make him a better player going from here on out um, his jump shot I, at first I was wondering you know does he need to change his jump shot is it good enough but from what I've seen these past two games he's getting his shots up but they're just not falling um, he could get a little stronger, but that's going to take time. But he, I, I think he's ready, man. Will he win Rookie of the Year this year? Probably not, but we're going to see some good things from Lonzo. And I just love his demeanor. You know, he's all about winning. You know, his dad does the talking, but he lets his game, you know, speak for himself. And he's very confident, cool, calm, collective person. And, you know, when he loses, he seems like he's the type that, you know, he, he gets mad about. He's, you know, he's very competitive and he just wants to, you know, right after he loses, just go back to the gym and get those shots up and whatnot. So he's going to mature really quickly and the Lakers are going to look exciting this year, you know. But with that being said, I just want to thank you guys for listening to another stellar episode, episode 16 of the Caesar Show. And, you know, get this word spreading, man. Get other people hip to the show, which is available on Apple, iTunes, podcasts, and also SoundCloud called the Caesar Show. It's great, man. I just want you guys to subscribe to it, you know, leave a stellar comment and rate it a five star because this is just a great show. And I just feel like I have a voice of reasoning. So I really appreciate you guys for listening to this episode and tune in next week for another stellar episode. I'm out.